I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. Hello, all my fellow mourners of diet culture. It is I, Emily Lubin. I'm the Grim Reaper and the host of this show. Welcome to RIP Diets, episode 15, motherfuckers. We're back. We skipped last week, and I'm going to tell you the reason why we skipped last week. Last week, I was away. I was actually away for like two weeks total. I went to the Jersey Shore, as I detailed in the last episode, titled The Grenades of the Jersey Shore. And then directly after I went to the Jersey Shore, I went up to Woodstock for a few days. Um, My dad's partner... um, Feels weird calling her his girlfriend because they've been together for 20 years, but they are not married. So whatever you want to call that, his common law wife, I don't fucking know. She bought a house up in Woodstock. So my boyfriend and I went up to Woodstock to check it out. And I got to say, I had such a lovely time, but it was a lot. It was a lot being away and having to work while I was away. Also, my sister came with her children and I was helping to take care of the children while we were there. So it was just a lot of work and I couldn't get it in. I couldn't deliver a quality episode that I want to give to you guys. So I figured take a week, come back. And we'll come back stronger than ever. And I think that is what we have done. I'm excited for today's episode. It is another solo show, but I did get a question in my DMs and I thought it was a very important question and I couldn't answer it by myself. I just couldn't, you guys. I needed a second opinion. I needed reinforcement. So I called past guest and friend of the show, Stephanie Roman, weight neutral health coach to the stars. Um, Maybe not to the stars, but in my eyes, she is a health coach to the stars. I had her back on. She helped me answer the DM. So we're going to get to that later. But first, let me fill you in on what has been going on in my life. So I have been very vocal that I am not a TikTok person. I am not a talker. I am not familiar with the platform at all. But I did put a few teasers for RIP diets up on TikTok. And I was shocked to see that one of my videos got something like 50 comments from random people about diet culture and fitness Instagrammers and Fitspo. You can visit me on TikTok, guys. I'm at Lubination. I don't, it's not popping off in there, but I do have a few teasers. And I did spend a good day and a half learning the wet ass pussy dance from TikTok. That video is to come because I'm still trying to perfect it. I can't do a full split, so I need to figure out a way to add my own flair to that dance that does not involve a split because I think that if I were to do a split I'm not sure that I would be able to get out of that position that's my biggest concern is that I would be stuck in the split with two broken legs so more on that to come but anyway this teaser that I put up on TikTok it was from episode 11 and it was all about 
Fitspo and how fitness bloggers and Instagrammers will use body positive hashtags and health at every size hashtags and just how fucked up I think that is because intentional weight loss and trying to look quote fit in a very specific way that goes against everything that health at every size stands for. And also, um, as we have discussed on this show, health at every size and body positivity, these were movements created by people in larger bodies who did not feel accepted in the space. So they needed to create a new space for themselves to express themselves and to embrace their bodies. So when I see people using that hashtag in inappropriate ways, and I think about people maybe looking for the hashtag to try to find other like-minded individuals and just being bombarded by all this fitspo, I get angry. So that's what the teaser was about. And most of the comments under it were positive, but there were a few people saying, what's wrong with thin women trying to be a part of body positivity as well? Um, Shouldn't all people learn to love their bodies? Yes, of course, all people should try to learn to love their bodies. That is not what I'm saying. People on the internet are so touchy. I'm simply saying this movement is not for you if you are not immersed in the lifestyle. If you are not a part of the Health at Every Size movement, do not make it a hashtag on your Instagram photo. But then I got into a little verbal spat with this woman, um, and I'm just going to read the conversation. I really got into it. I usually don't respond to people um, with their negative comments because I know that it's a trap. But this one, I just I had to get into it because she was spewing nonsense and I felt that it was what needed to be done. So this is what she said. She said, LMAO, eating healthy and working out is healthy and everyone should do it. They aren't saying you need to look a certain way. They aren't even skinny. And this is referring to the screenshots that I included on the artwork. Um, She continues, unless they are male, it would be rare of someone who is actually healthy to be obese, according to BMI. Now, this was my response to this message. I said, this is the exact problem with the fitness industry I'm pointing out here. Healthy doesn't have a specific look. Fit doesn't have a specific look. You cannot just look at someone and know whether they are healthy based on the way they look. You truly can be healthy at any size. Fat doesn't equal unhealthy. Also, BMI is bullshit. You saying that men can be larger bodied and healthy, but women cannot is also very telling to me. And then she came back at me and she said, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that it is rare, not impossible for women to be at the obesity range for BMI and still be healthy. Women have less muscle mass than men. And that is a fact. That is why it's more common to see men exceeding the BMI scale and still be healthy. A pear-shaped woman is generally healthier than an apple-shaped. That is because too much fat near vital organs is not healthy. This is also true for too little fat near vital organs. Also, I just want to point out that I said it is rare to see healthy women at the obesity level for BMI, not the overweight level. The overweight level is common. They literally just aren't obese because if people actually eat healthy and exercise, most people will look relatively slim. 
Um, I said, this is not true and not supported by actual evidence. If we all ate the same exact way and did the same workouts, we'd all have very different bodies. And uh, she wrote something back. I'm not going to read it. It was just one of those things that I had to, I had, I felt like I had to get into it with her a little bit because she's making all these claims on it. I doubt this person is a doctor, first of all. Um, I doubt that they have any professional training in diet or nutrition. But the main thing that she said that I felt completely went against this argument that she's making is men have more muscle mass than women. This is why it's more common to see men exceeding the BMI scale and still being healthy. So basically what you're saying is that BMI does not take into account somebody's body composition. It only takes weight into account, meaning that BMI is not a reliable scale for health or even for whether somebody is overweight or not. That's what you're saying because it does not take into account muscle mass. It does not take into account your daily activity, what you're eating, your mental health. It doesn't take all of these things into account. And that is not proof that if women worked out and ate well, that they would all be slim. It's actually proof to the opposite. But you can't really uh, communicate that very effectively in a TikTok comment. So I just left it alone. But I wanted to share that with you guys because it's just amazing to me. It never ceases to amaze me how people will come at me with these criticisms of what I'm saying without even listening to what I'm saying and also making health claims that are so influenced by fat phobia that they don't even fucking realize it. And I just want everybody listening to this who's maybe a little bit skeptical about intuitive eating, maybe a little skeptical about health at every size, have an open mind and think, just think to yourself, hmm, if this system is flawed in one way, then maybe it's flawed in more ways. Maybe it's flawed in possibly every way. Maybe we shouldn't be using BMI as a standard measure of health if it does not apply to many, many people who are maybe in the obesity range, but are still quite healthy. And that doesn't just apply to men. That applies to men, women, children. It applies to everyone. Stop weighing yourself. Let's stop thinking that weight is the be-all, end-all of health. Because in fact, it is a very small percentage. So that's my latest venture on TikTok. I got to say, the algorithm still haven't figured it out. But my wet ass pussy video will be going up soon. I'm saying it here to make sure that it happens. Still trying to perfect the dance. Also, I'm back in the gym. So when I was learning the dance, it was really difficult for me to lift my leg. So I need to go back to it. Um, Quite a fun dance. I highly recommend that anybody who has uh, seen the dance and thought, oh, that, that dance is too complicated for me. Just give it a try. Just break it down into parts. And um, listen, if I can do it, you can do it. I also wanted to talk to you guys. I was trying to think about something substantial that I could communicate to you guys on this solo episode. So when I was in Woodstock, I had a little uh, realization about something that I really need to work on 
in recovery and I do consider myself recovered. I've been in recovery for several years. My eating is fairly normal and completely intuitive. I don't adhere to any food rules. Um, I eat when I'm hungry. I generally stop when I'm full, but if I don't, then I don't beat myself up over it. I have a very healthy relationship with food, much healthier than I did when I was growing up and much healthier than I did in my early 20s. But certain things still come up and I realize, oh, I need to check in with myself more. I need to work on that. And a very specific thing happened when I was in Woodstock. We were out. I was with my boyfriend, my sister, and my sister's two little boys. And we stopped to get ice cream. And um, we just had lunch. We stopped for lunch and then we stopped for a little sweet treat afterwards at this place. I'm going to give them a little shout out if you're ever in Woodstock. It's Jane's Homemade Ice Cream. And it's super funky looking on the outside, really colorful. I didn't get to go in because they were doing like window service. But very hippy dippy as is most of Woodstock. It kind of has that colorful hippy vibe. And they hand make their ice cream and instantly when I saw this place I knew that I had to try their ice cream the flavor that I got was coconut almond joy and it was fucking phenomenal I got it in a waffle cone which was an extra dollar but in my opinion eating ice cream out of a waffle cone is the way that we're supposed to eat ice cream it's the way it was intended to be eaten so I got that but after I ordered my ice cream, I turned to my boyfriend and I said, are you, what are you going to get? And he said, mm, you know what? I don't really feel like ice cream. And on the inside, I started getting so angry and and I felt like maybe I had made the wrong choice for getting ice cream. And this all leads into eating when others don't want to eat or when others aren't hungry, particularly a romantic partner. This is something that I still struggle with. And um, I'm thinking back to times when it was late at night and I thought, oh, you know, I really want a bowl of cereal. And I would get up and go pour myself a bowl of cereal, turn to my boyfriend, say, do you want any cereal? And sometimes he says yes. And I would pour him a bowl of cereal as well. But sometimes when he doesn't want the cereal, I second guess whether I should be eating it because I think we're fed all of this nonsense growing up about how boys need to eat more than girls and girls need to have these dainty little appetites. And, you know, I would just think, well, if he's not hungry, then I shouldn't be hungry. You know, he should be more hungry than I am because he's a boy and he needs to feed his strapping young body. And I, I don't need food if he doesn't need food. Not even taking into account that maybe he had eaten more for dinner that day or he had eaten more throughout the day or the fact that whenever he wants to have a snack and I don't feel like a snack, he never second guesses whether he wants a snack. Whether you want to eat should not be influenced by whether somebody else wants to eat. We really want to tune into our bodies and not feel shame or guilt because Everybody's body is different. We get hungry at different times. We're not all programmed the same way and we're not all on the same schedule. So I'm trying to be really mindful of that this week of just not allowing anyone, but particularly my boyfriend, to influence me 
or my food choices and not second guess whether I want to eat based on whether somebody else is hungry because that is a losing battle, my friend. Um, Also, the gyms have reopened in New York City and I am back in the gym. Got to wear a mask the whole time, which is a little difficult, I got to say, when you're pumping iron. It's difficult to have a piece of cloth over your face, but safety first. So I'm back in the gym. My boyfriend's back in the gym. It's kind of like a fun activity that we do. We both go together and we lift weights at the same time, but not like in synchronicity or anything that would be gross. But my boyfriend is very much on this kick of I need to I'm getting back in the gym. I need to eat more protein. I need to carb up. He went to Trader Joe's the other day. He bought three different varieties of bread. He bought ingredients to make protein smoothies, a lot of different snacks to be readily available. And I have needed to remind myself that I don't need to change my way of eating just because he's changing his way of eating and I don't have the same goals as he does and that's okay. My main goal is to have a healthy, stable relationship with food and a healthy relationship with my body and to feel good and I don't need to monitor the number of carbs that I'm eating or the number of uh, grams of protein that I eat each meal. If he wants to do that, that's fine. I have no control over his eating, but I do have control over the way that I go about eating and the way that I treat myself. So if anybody out there needed the reminder to not be influenced by other people when making food choices, this is your reminder. Listen to your body. Don't listen to anybody else, okay? Your body is way smarter and tuned into what it needs than anybody else can be. And now... I am going to get into the question in my DMs from a beautiful listener. I'm going to give my thoughts on it. And shortly after, I'm going to bring in Stephanie Roman, who's going to give her professional opinion on this question. Brace yourself because this is a long one, but I I think it's important. Hi, Emily. I wanted to share this message by telling you how much your podcast means to me. Though I've always been a naturally thin-bodied woman, I grew up with a lot of pressure imposed on how I looked by my mother. Add in an early 20s boyfriend who judged everything that anyone ate, and I unconsciously began participating in disordered eating. My intention has never been to get thinner or even to look better. It's always been the aspect of being able to control something when I felt so out of control in my life. Thanks, childhood trauma. That has perpetuated my disordered eating. Listening to your podcast has given me so much relief. Just hearing your approach to intuitive eating has helped me develop a different internal monologue. Anytime I've stopped myself from buying the ice cream or even just eating a meal, I hear the lovely Emily Lubin reminding me to eat whatever the fuck I want. My inner voice has also been reminding myself that self-care means eating when I'm hungry. So thank you for honestly changing my life. Oh, that's so amazing. And now I desperately need your advice. I've been put on a physician's diet. Hold on. Hear me out. I rolled my eyes too. About two months ago, I got pretty sick and I don't have a diagnosis. I've been struggling with lots of doctors and I finally found a woman I really like who approaches medicine from all angles. Due to all the pain I've been experiencing, she's encouraged me to try a no gluten, low sugar diet to help with inflammation. 
Listen, I fucking love ice cream. My kind of three-way involves Ben and Jerry. I eat pints at a time. Honestly, I love all sugar, but I tried it for a couple days and I have been feeling better. My pain is more manageable and I'm not as tired. However, I'm finding myself slipping back into disordered eating. If I don't like the healthy food in my fridge, I just won't eat. Being so early in my recovery, I'm scared that this diet is going to ruin my progress, but I want to follow it because I feel better. I know you hate diets, but I'm curious as to what your perspective is on this. Beautiful question. Thank you for all the kind words, honestly, from the bottom of my heart. Anyone who wants to slide into my DMs, I am Lubination on Instagram. That's L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N. Slide into my DMs. Send me a nice message. Tell me what you think about the podcast. Send me any advice questions you have, and I will definitely try to answer them. If not on the podcast, then I will personally DM you with my opinion. Just please remember that I am not a doctor or a registered dietitian. All my knowledge is based on my own experience and also what I've read in books and articles. This is a tough one, I got to say. I have heard from some friends of mine and just being out in the world, I've heard a lot of buzz about inflammation. And I believe when doctors talk about reducing sugar to reduce inflammation, what they're talking about is digestive inflammation. This listener did not write specifically the problem that she's having, but if it is something in your digestive system, such as IBS or colitis or Crohn's disease or something like that, I do not know the correlation between sugar and inflammation in the digestive system. What I do know is that this is a buzzword in the wellness community, and I am hearing so much now about reduce inflammation for people who, you know, seemingly do not have these illnesses that I specified earlier. So every time I hear that a doctor recommended something to reduce inflammation, I'm a little bit skeptical, but I'm not saying that you're lying about feeling better. I do think that there is a distinct possibility since you said that you have dealt with disordered eating in the past that the feeling better could be psychosomatic. And I think that most of us have probably heard of the term placebo effect. Um, placebos are used in studies when they're testing out new medication. One group will be the control group and they'll get the placebo and then the other group will get the actual medication. And we have seen in the past some people, if they believe that they're getting the medication, they will report back certain improvements in their health that aren't actually there. They're all mental. And it's because they think that they are doing something to improve their condition. There's also a similar phenomenon called the nocebo effect, which means basically the same thing, but instead of you thinking that your health is improving from ingesting something, you think that your health is improving from not ingesting something. So in this case, by not eating gluten and not eating sugar, I think it's definitely possible that you just think that you're feeling better because a doctor told you to do this, and also because you've struggled with disordered eating before. So 
this idea of controlling your food in order to improve yourself and improve your health is attractive to you. It might be on a subconscious level, but I do think that it is a possibility that that is what's happening. And I also don't like to hear that any kind of diet, whether it's prescribed by a doctor or self-prescribed, I never like to hear that you're that it's causing you to slip back into disordered eating. Um, and I definitely don't like to hear that if there's not something that you want to eat in your fridge, then you're just going to skip a meal. Skipping a meal is definitely not a good idea. It's always a better idea to eat something, even if it's not on this diet that you're trying to follow for your health. You got to eat. I And I think you need to constantly be checking in with yourself and reminding yourself, what am I doing this for? If I'm doing this truly for my health, then I need to make sure that I'm actually feeding myself. I need to make sure that I'm doing it the right way. And if there aren't foods that are available to me, I need to make sure that there are things that I like to eat, whether or not it complies with this diet that your doctor has prescribed you. I would also encourage you to perhaps see a registered dietitian, preferably one that specializes in intuitive eating or weight neutral dietetics to get their expert opinion on this because this one doctor who prescribed this to you could be influenced heavily by fat phobia or by diet culture. And maybe they don't even know it because we are all influenced by this in a way. So my answer to this is, if you think that this truly is helping you feel better and your motivation when you're being honest with yourself is that you really want to improve this stomach issue or this digestion issue, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for you to continue to do it and see if you continue to feel better. But I would just be very wary that this isn't just a way for you to go back to disordered eating And I wouldn't take every single thing this doctor says as the word of God because I do know that this is a very popular diet in the wellness community and it's not something that most of us necessarily need. And now that I've given my two cents on it, let's bring in Stephanie Roman um, to give her expert opinion on this DM question. Here we go. Joining me now is Stephanie Roman, past guest of the show. Stephanie is a weight neutral health coach. So I, when I read this message from my DMs that I just read to the listeners, yeah. I was like, listen, I have my opinions, but I don't work in the field. Um, so I was like, you know, I should get a second opinion. So I called up my girl, Stephanie, and here she is. So Stephanie, what do you think about this girl's predicament? Well, I think it's a very common predicament. First of all, Um, I've gotten similar questions myself. Um, And I think, you know, not knowing a whole lot about her background, but it does sound like she's recovering from some sort of eating disorder or disordered eating behaviors in the past. You know, the number one thing to remember is that the perspective, right? So the behavior could be similar or the same, but what is the perspective? What's the, the mental motivation behind it? And it sounds like this this, you know, this quote unquote diet that this doctor has prescribed her and using diet in the word of like a way of eating, not a weight loss um, prescription is helpful to her and is, you know, helping her with her pain and, and whatever, you know, sickness that she's going through right now. So, 
you know, really, lo- I think it's going to be very important for her to, first of all, lock into the why, because obviously she's giving up foods that she enjoys. So the, the number one thing is going to be like to really lock in as to like why she's doing this. And I would encourage her to write it down um, because it can be very confusing, especially someone who's recovering from disordered eating, restricting any kind of food can feel very triggering and can lead again to some negative behaviors. So why are we trying to limit gluten and sugar right now? What are the benefits? How does she feel when she is limiting those things? Again, focusing on the benefits to the body and how she's feeling versus any sort of like diety thoughts or weight loss thoughts or feeling like maybe she's a better person. She doesn't need sugar. Those kinds of things you'd want to stay away from, but really just lock into the why, write it down, make that be firm in mind. That would be like my number one thing. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I I love the idea to write it down because that's, you know, that way you have something that you could even look back on to, if you start to lose sight of like, wait a second, why am I doing this? But my, my first thought, um, and I, I said this earlier, but my, my first thought when I was reading this was I've heard um, in the past couple of years, a lot of doctors are recommending, you know, these anti-inflammatory diets mm-hmm. and they're usually low sugar. I don't personally know, um, what the effects are of sugar on things like Crohn's disease mm-hmm. or, um, uh, colitis or IBS or things like that. And she didn't get very specific right. about what kind of problems she is having, but, I would say um, that the doctor that she's seeing, I would hope that she would at least um, have some background in nutrition because I know that a lot of primary care doctors don't necessarily have a lot of experience or education in nutrition. So Mm -hmm. I just... I get a feeling and I, I don't know because I'm not in the field, but I get a feeling based on what I've heard from other people that it's getting recommended a lot and it might be recommended to people who don't necessarily need it because of certain biases that the health, uh, that people who work in healthcare might have towards high sugar diets or or gluten or whatever, because we used to never hear about stuff like that. And now I feel like I'm hearing about it everywhere. So I just wonder about, you know, if the feeling good that she's saying she's feeling good, I wonder if it's actually connected to the diet or if it could be like a, like a nocebo effect Mm -hmm. type of thing where she thinks she's feeling better. And then maybe her judgment could be clouded a little bit by like, her history with disordered eating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as far as, you know, no sugar and no gluten being overdiagnosed, um, yeah, I, I would 100% agree with that. And in fact, most people that go to visit a health coach or a dietitian, even, um, again, if it's not an anti-diet dietitian or a weight neutral provider, you know, those are kind of like the, the blatant, like everyone gets that. Like, okay, just let's just start there. No, gluten, yeah, no just sugar. like cut carbs, cut sugars, okay. and eat more protein and healthy fats. Like, I feel like that's what all yeah. doctors kind of say now, yeah. um, regardless of your health conditions. But I'm very careful not to like diminish what her health condition because she didn't say, right. um, and she says she hasn't properly been diagnosed either. Yep. Um, 
So I don't know. It's just that whenever I hear that a doctor is recommending a certain diet before somebody's actually been diagnosed, I get yeah. a little bit reluctant to buy into it, um, especially when I hear reduce inflammation as uh-huh. the reason because I feel like that that's such a broad term that's kind of like being used where it it might not be appropriate. Agreed. I think it definitely is overused and and everyone's body is different, right? So not, you know, again, we can't just make blanket statements like, okay, cut out sugar and your inflammation is going to go away and you're going to be fine. Like, you know, everyone's experience and what they're dealing with and what the, you know, the makeup and chemistry of their body is going to be different. And, and yet why I was inclined to say, hey, you know what, if you want to run with this, here's some ways you can do it is because she said she did have a reduction in pain. And whether yeah. that was a nocebo effect or not, I don't know. Um, you know, if again, it's going to be super important for her to stay mindful throughout the process, whether she decides to keep trying to do a low sugar diet or not is, is figuring out like, is this really helping me? You know, Mm -hmm. am, am I just, you know, feeling good about myself from a moral standpoint of, Hey, look at me, I'm not eating sugar. Or am I seeing a reduction in pain? Is this helpful? I mean, there gets to be a point and, you know, this is just my personal opinion, but there gets to be a point where it's like, I don't care what works as long as it's working. And yeah. <laughs> and if she's experiencing, you know, debilitating pain and it's ruining her quality of life and somehow eating less sugar is, is helping her with that and it's genuine, you know what, go for it. Like, and again, I'm okay with that through the vein of being mindful around it, what the, what the perspective is on it, why she's doing it, the motivation concentrating again on how the body feels on how the body looks or trying to adhere to some moral, you know, some moral high ground of not eating sugar, you know? Yeah. It also, it does seem like she's being very observant of what's happening and, and trying not to slip back into those behaviors. It seems like she knows that those old behaviors were really negative for her. Mm -hmm. So I think that's great. What would you say, this is the one part that I honestly don't, don't really know that she's saying that, Sometimes, you know, if the foods that she has bought that adhere to this diet don't appeal to her, then she'll just like skip a meal because she doesn't feel like eating the the foods that she's allowed to eat. Yeah. What would you how would you say that she could go around that? Do you think that it might be like maybe a little more flexibility could be allowed? Like maybe like allow yourself have a scoop of ice cream if you really want a scoop of ice cream and see if that makes a difference type of thing. Absolutely. I mean, again, someone who any of us who are coming from a very diety or disordered eating background, we kind of have this all or nothing thinking and it it bleeds into everything. Right. And so even with this, like if this is if this is a way of eating that she would like to try, it doesn't need to be like tomorrow, no gluten, no sugar, you know, like, let's try it for a day this week and see how it feels. Or let's try it for one meal or let's try it for two days. Like we, you know, again, if this is something, again, with the big, if, if this is something that is genuinely helpful to her, then longevity and sustainability is important. And trying to just change their whole way of eating cold turkey tomorrow is is not sustainable um, or lead to longevity. So yeah, let's just try it out. And again, the doctor said low sugar, not no sugar. That could mm-hmm. mean anything, right? So, let, you know, like you said, if there's something that you're really wanting to have, I mean, in the absence of a food giving you like a fatal 
allergic reaction. So let's take that off the table. Yeah. I am always going to say it is better to eat anything than not eat. <laughs> so, yes. I, you know, I would rather her, you know, dig out the ice cream than not eat or miss a meal or stay hungry, you know? So I would say those two approaches combined of how can we ease into this in a reasonable way and try it out. And also in those moments where you're really feeling like I want to eat this, go ahead and do that versus not eating. And again, just be mindful and like, see how your body feels after you might be fine. She might be fine. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Have you, um, have you worked with people who have like been hesitant about starting diets and I don't want to use that word, but Mm -hmm. maybe could we say food plans for like specific, um, what's the word specific, um, afflictions. Yeah. Yeah. I have, yeah. I have a couple of clients right now actually who adhere to a very specific, um, eating way of eating that there are several foods that each of them for different reasons, um, don't eat or stay away from because of how it makes their body feel and other, you know, um, digestive things that they have going on and, and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that is like, I guess, this does kind of fit into the umbrella of gentle nutrition, which is Mm -hmm. the last principle of intuitive eating. And we talked about it a a while back. Um, I feel like it might've even been on your episode that we talked about gentle nutrition and it can be a very confusing thing because if you have a history with disordered eating, then a lot of those old habits can be really sneaky and creep back in. But the hope is that you can do it in a way that, like you said, is mindful. And um, I would love to hear from her an update in a couple of weeks if she keeps doing this and to find out, you know, how it's working for her. But thank you so much. Do you have any closing thoughts? Um, I always just encourage to journal. I think that would be really helpful um, if, if she's open to that, you know, make that suggestion to her that, as she's going through this process to kind of just, you know, keep writing stuff down, even if it's just one sentence, two sentences, doesn't have to be anything intensive, but how her body's feeling again, to have a historical record of emotionally, how she's feeling and how her relationship with food is, is, you know, evolving, um, as she's trying to do this, um, would be really helpful. And if there is an eating disorder specialist or someone that she's been working with would be great to have that person have a conversation with this doctor and like really have, a, you know, combined effort here, um, to make sure she's getting the proper care. Yeah. I love that suggestion. I, I have never journaled. Well, I have, but I've never like throughout recovery aside when, when I was in therapy, I haven't journaled. And I actually think that's a great way to really check in with yourself. And because I always say my mind is my own journal, but it deletes files on a weekly basis. So definitely. <laughs> thank you so much, Stephanie. No problem. My pleasure. All right. So I'm actually so happy that I got Stephanie to help me answer this question because I love her perspective. I was actually a little surprised how open she was to this diet that this doctor has prescribed you. I would definitely agree with what she says, you know, and it goes back to what I was saying before. Be brutally honest with yourself. Check in with yourself to make sure that the motivation for this is purely to help your digestive system feel better and help your pain decrease and not, 
as a way to um, have a doctor sanction you to go back to disordered eating because that would not be smart for you. That wouldn't be positive for your recovery. So yeah, check in with yourself. I would say um, Stephanie recommended you journal. I think that's a great idea. And continue to listen to this podcast. Continue to make sure that you're not being influenced by diet culture, that you really truly are influenced by gentle nutrition and making sure that your body feels as good as it can. And listen, just as Stephanie said, she said low sugar. She did not say no sugar. So you can still eat ice cream. You can still have a scoop of ice cream here and there. Definitely don't limit foods that you love just for the sake of improving your stomach because I have a feeling that it doesn't need to be as extreme as you might think. And definitely look into seeing a registered dietitian and talking to them if you have the means, um, if you can afford it. Talk to them about this diet and explain your history with disordered eating. Explain all your concerns and they can give you a, a very thorough evaluation um, and let you know if this diet is right for you. That said, fuck all diets. <laughs> and that's the show today, guys. I would love it if you slid into my DMs. Again, it's Lubination on Instagram. Or you can email me at ripdiets at gmail.com. Send me advice questions. Talk about your history with diet culture. Uh, share your story. You can use that email for whatever it is you want. And you can also join the private Facebook group by searching RIP Dieters and requesting to be added. As soon as you request to be added, I will add you. Just I request that you keep it a safe space. Don't body shame anyone. Don't bring negative diet culture talk into the group because it is a sacred space. And that's it. Have a fabulous week. I will be back next week with a brand spanking new episode of RIP Diets. Peace out.